Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and we've got a great one lined up for you guys this week. First, we're going to be talking to Jimmy the Brute Crew as he prepares for his UFC Adelaide showdown this weekend with Paul DeBerju Craig. It is a stiff test to get in his UFC debut, but it's certainly one that could send him right into the thick of things at 205. Then, we're counting down the top five Ultimate Fighter graduates of all time. That's right, we're going to look back at the best five guys ever to come out of the Tough House, and that's in honor of this weekend's Tough Finale. Plus, we're going to break down that Tough Finale that's happening on Friday, as well as the UFC Adelaide card on Saturday, so you're not going to want to miss any of that. First, we're going to let you know that this episode was brought to you by the fine people at ADK Fightwear. I've been a grappler for eight years now, and I've owned a lot of grappling gear, a lot of grappling gear. And time and time again, I've bought rash guards and spats that fray and pill just after a couple of washes, plus the colors fade and wind up looking nothing like what you've purchased just months after you bought them. But if you're in jiu-jitsu for the long haul, like myself, you need to head on over to adkfightwear.com because their gear is also in it for the long haul. I've had their arm bars and stripes rash guard for some time now. It's hands down my favorite rash guard because not only does it fit great, but it still looks like the day I bought it. And that, if that endorsement isn't enough to get you to go buy one for yourself, then take this into consideration. They're having a Black Friday sale right now at adkfightwear.com. That's right. It's not even Black Friday anymore. Still having the sale and you can get that arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 20 bucks. That's right. Just 20 bucks for a brand new high quality rash guard. You're never going to find a deal like that. So go get one today at adkfightwear.com. They bring you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby, Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Jimmy the Brute Crew, who fights Paul Craig at UFC's return to Australia on December 1st, or if you're in Australia, December 2nd. Uh, Jimmy, you only turned pro in 2016, you're just 22 years old, your career has kind of been a really, really fast rise, does it feel fast, or does this feel like something you've been working for for a really long time? Um... On paper, it is really fast, but you know, I've been, I've been, I've had this goal in mind since I was five years old. Um, that's when I first discovered the UFC, so it's, it's been a, it's been a long ride. I've, I've put, I've put, um, unbelievable amount of hard work in. So, it's, yeah, I've been working towards this since I was five. So it's been a long ride, but a good one. So, so that's a really early age to discover the UFC. Probably earlier than most people discovered the UFC. What, what drew you to the UFC? What, what helped you discover it? So I've always done martial arts since I was a little kid, um, and I was started to do when I was twelve. And I just heard the boys in the in the changer talking about the, the UFC, and um, yeah, yeah. When I when I went on that night, I was on YouTube and I looked it up, and I went, I just knew this is exactly what I want to film in my life. Um, I feel sorry for my parents, probably not what, what, they want, um, what their 12 year old son is doing, but you know, I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and with you still being so young now, obviously a little bit older, but with you still being so old, or so young now, uh, you guys kind of got plenty of time to reach those goals. Uh, but what are sort of your thoughts on some future matchups? Do you, do you want just kind of whoever they put in front of you, or are you looking to make a, a big impact on these rankings right away? Um, I'll fight whoever. I don't. I don't care. Um, I'll make a big. I'll, I'll make a big impact by my um, my performances. Um, 
doesn't bother me who, when or where. I'll be there. If the UFC want me to be there, I'll be there. That's obviously the mentality they're looking for, too. And speaking of the mentality they were looking for, uh, you know, you got signed on the Contender Series. Dana White, uh, cage side, said that you were his favorite performance uh, of maybe not just the night, but maybe the whole season. Uh, what was sort of your reaction the first time that you heard that? And, and maybe where did it was the first time you heard that? Um, oh, I don't know. It was a bit of a blur over in Vegas, but um, it, was, it was really cool that they have good plays from Dana White, like, this ball wouldn't be where it is today without that man, and um, he's the he's the guy you want to impress. So I went out there and did just that, and it was a, it was a really cool moment. Yeah, and did you sort of get a chance to, uh, you know, I you could see it sort of in passing, you know, after the win and stuff like that. But did you get a chance to talk to him at all, or was it more just, you know, like kind of pleasantries as you pass by him? Um, we got to have a chat to him when we got back to the um, to the casino we were staying at, and. Yeah, he was a really cool dude. Um, got enough the praise for me and my team, so it was um, a really cool experience. I, I think everyone in this sport looks up to that man a lot because of what he's done for it, so it's, uh, it was really cool. But uh, yeah, we got to have a little bit of a chat with him. Cool, cool. And and now, obviously, uh, you know, you, you've spent a lot of time fighting in your home country or, or close to it. Uh, you know, this, this, uh, this fight at the Contender Series was your first time out of the country. What was it like fighting out of the country in comparison to what it was like fighting at home? Was there difficulties you ran into, or was it just you know another day at the office, so to speak? Um, I've never fought at before. Contender, I've never fought out of my home city. So um, yeah, we, uh, it was a 16-hour flight over to Vegas. Um, got a week in, in Vegas to qualify, but you know, man. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter what goes on the week of or whatever. It's a fight at the end of the day. You have to go in there and you have to perform no matter what happens. So, um, you know, people complain about jet lag and whatnot. But, mate, if you can't put it, you can't put it away for 15 minutes, what's wrong with you? Yeah, and, and, and you're 100% right. Yeah, you got to put it in no matter what. But how helpful is it knowing that your UFC debut, you're not going to have to deal with all of that garbage? Uh, yeah, it is what it is, man. Like, they could fly me to Antarctica or bloody... They could fly me to the outside of the world, I wouldn't complain. I, I get to fly for the UFC, so... Um, yeah, it's nice to fly in Adelaide, the 45 or 50-minute flight or something, so it's really, really cruisy, real easy, and, yeah, it's, um, I'm not going to complain about it. So let's talk about that fight too, because uh, the opponent you're fighting is is proven to be quite the tough out here. You know, Paul Craig, uh, last time out, he he took a beating for you know seemingly fifteen and a half or fourteen and a half minutes. It felt like fifteen minutes, and he had a submission because he's sort of dangerous from you know pretty much any time. It's not his first come from behind win. What are your, sort of your thoughts on his last fight and him as a fighter? I don't know. I don't have respect for Paul Craig. Um, I don't know a lot of the guys. Uh, I know that he's a very dangerous fighter. He's got great submission. He's got great jiu-jitsu. Um, and he's tough as nails. Um, I've said it before. Yet to beat Paul Craig, you have to put him out. You can't. You can't rely on him folding. You have to have, either absolutely put him out or finish his toes until the final bell. So um, I don't have to respect for that bloke, um, but. So it's not going to change the outcome of the fight. I'm going to come in there to, to 
put a full one on his jaw or to or to chase him out. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me what he, what what Paul Craig locks up, but that's what I expect. Yeah, and, and just out of curiosity, you know, usually I ask for a prediction in these things. Uh, do you believe that you can get him out of there quickly? I know I can get him out of there. I don't get anyone out of there. I just have to perform well and stick to the game plan. Um, that being said, I know he's tough. I know I might not be able to get him out of there, but I'll be on my toes and ready to, um, ready to go three rounds or, or put him away early. Well, and we'll certainly be looking forward to watching that. Once again, for those of you at home, Jimmy the Brute Crew fights Paul Craig at UFC's return to Australia on December 1st in the States or December 2nd in Australia. Jimmy, we thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And that interview with Jimmy the Brute Crew was brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Look, we're in an age where athletes are always wearing compression shorts underneath their uniforms and athletic gear. But you know what I don't want to feel on my downstairs? compression. No, instead I want to feel support and like my guys down there can breathe. And that's why I've switched to sheath underwear. Instead of compressing your marbles down, they support them with a unique front pocket that promotes airflow. So not only will you feel comfortable when you're doing jujitsu or whatever you're into, but you'll also feel cool. And when you get sweaty, because you're going to get sweaty, you work hard. Sheath has got you covered there too. Their underwear is antimicrobial and moisture wicking so you stay dry even when you're working hard. Check them out for yourself at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code FLOW for 20% off your whole order. That's F-L-O, 20% off your whole order. So, as you may already know, I am Daniel gumby Vreeland alongside a shockwave Dave Tremonti, and that was Jimmy Crute. Your thoughts, Dave? You know what? I'm excited about Crute. I feel like Australia, New Zealand, that whole uh, area of the world has been producing some really exciting fighters as of recent. Uh, obviously, Jake Matthews, still somewhat of a prospect, and then, of course, Robert Whitaker, the uh, 170, or excuse me, middleweight champion, started as 170 pounds, and this guy is 8-0, you know, and I like the three KOs. He's got two submissions. He seems well-rounded. And Paul Craig, friend of the show, that's a tough first matchup for him. So if he gets by it, we know he's legit. Yeah, and, and especially at 22 years old or 21 years old, I, I mean, the kid is so young in a division that is stacked with fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. So, very exciting to see, and, you know, I thought we saw a little bit of this last weekend when they threw, uh, what was it, Polish or Russian Brock up against Alistair mm-hmm. Overeem. The UFC doesn't really play around anymore when it comes to certain prospects. They're just like, hey, here you go. Uh, you know, I know Paul Craig's had a bit of a skid, but he's a good fighter. Yeah, and, and he, he just submitted a, fight. and he just submitted a pretty highly touted Russian prospect too. So, you know, like he's dangerous at all points of the fight, no matter when it is, especially with that submission game. Yeah, agreed. All right, we'll go a little bit around the league, Gumby. I would say the biggest news of the past couple of days is that Israel Adesanya is fighting the legend Anderson Silva, and if you believe Anderson Silva. Uncle Dana said if Anderson wins, he gets the middleweight title shot. Your thoughts? Um, Man, I, I don't know if I believe necessarily that he gets a title shot with a win, but it's certainly not out of the question. It, it's sort of a beautiful matchup in that both of them have like really fun striking styles, so you know it's just going to be like a good striking matchup. But also the other cool thing is, is that it seems like no matter who wins here, they sort of steal the other one's momentum. You know what I mean? Like, not that Anderson's got a ton of momentum, but Israel Adesanya gets to steal some of his name value if he wins. 
Anderson gets to steal all the momentum and all the hype surrounding Israel if he wins. So it's almost like it's tailor-made to catapult somebody to a title shot. Yeah, I really like it as far as matchmaking goes. I mean, Anderson Silva, I think 43 now, uh, maybe turning 44 soon. Uh, seen better days, uh, you know, his better days are behind him. Mm-hmm. But for a casual fan, when they hear, oh, who's this guy who potentially knocked out Anderson Silva, that's only going to give Israel Adesanya the rub, as they say in pro wrestling. I think it's really good matchmaking. Mm-hmm. And I would expect that if Israel wins, he gets the title shot. Yeah, I think he was already in line for a title shot pretty much. It was pretty much just who do they set up for him to knock down so that he can get the next shot. And really, I think the UFC is hoping it's against Robert Whitaker. Because let me tell you, him versus Robert Whitaker down somewhere in Australia or in New Zealand, holy shit, would that sell? Uh, we'll move along. Uh, Sage Northcutt is no longer in the UFC. There are rumors of him potentially signing with Bellator this week, but also there were rumors a week ago about him signing with one, so he's certainly a free agent. What do you make of the poster boy that never was and Sage taking his ad game somewhere else? I think it's a really smart move. Uh, I can't remember which uh, journalist I saw tweeted it out, but the, the UFC is making a smart business decision here where they're letting him go fight out those years where he's needs to build a name for himself somewhere else. You know, like, right now, if you look at his last fight, the dude made 80 and 80 last fight. 80K to win, 80K to show. He made $160,000, and that's not including any, like, Reebok or backstage bonuses or anything like that. So when you think about how much he's costing them, there's no way he's pulling in that much money for the company. You know what I mean? Like, there are not that many people tuning in to watch Sage Northcutt that they can afford to pay him 160 and he's not going to be headlining anything anytime soon. You know, like, put it in perspective, last fight out... Israel Adesanya fighting Derek Brunson probably sold some pay-per-view buys on their own, right? Because people want to see Israel Adesanya. He made 59k and 59k last time. So that means overall, Sage Northcutt wound up costing the UFC 42,000 more than Israel Adesanya in his last fight. It's just insane to keep him around at that cost, and you have to assume he wanted a raise too. Like, are you going to pay Sage Northcutt 200k for his next fight? Right, right. I mean, I think this very show, Top Turtle MMA, broke this all down about a year and a half ago uh, when, wasn't it Lorenz Larkin left? Mm-hmm. You could go back in our archives, and we talked about the fact that the UFC, um, and it was, at, you know what, it was right after UFC 200, I almost want to say, but we, we, you know, we read the tea leaves, and the UFC is, they're killing their middle class. It's going to be more on the boxing model where you have your big name stars and they'll always have their prospects and they'll bring them up. Ida Sonia is a perfect example of that, but he's about to become the upper crust. He's about to become the 1%. They don't need someone in the middle class to be paid 80 and 80 to your point. They could just go elsewhere and then they'll pay some up and comers, you know, 20 and 20, 40 and 40, whatever it is, and try to get their next Anderson Silva, try to get their next GSP that way. But there's just no need for you know someone making 80 and 80 who's clearly not going to be a title challenger or winner within the next you know three to four years short of making huge strides in this game right exactly so you can take that 200k he was supposed to make and you can go out and sign 10 tatiana suarez's you know and like all you need is one of them to work out and like it was a better investment right like so it's a it's like a sad to see the business model like that people like Jim Miller 
would not survive as his like middling level in today's UFC. You know what I mean? Like that level of fighter who hung around is like a working class lunch pail, middle of the road lightweight. Those are the kind of guys we're going to see get let go in the next three to five years. And it's going to be sad to watch it happen. But at the same time, if you think about the financial sense, it makes those are not the guys selling pay-per-views. All right. Well, you mentioned the name Tatiana Suarez. She was once in the tough house and, it's funny because our combat countdown this week is on the top five Ultimate Fighter graduates. So just a little bit of criteria here, and we threw this out to our fans on Twitter, at MMA. who are the best uh, five Ultimate Fighter alumni, and we're basing this on their career afterwards. So not so much who was the best in the house, and obviously Uriah Hall would be on that list, but it's who was the best after leaving the house. Uriah Hall, not on that list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we will break that down right now, but I do have to ask Gumby, does any fine company sponsor this combat countdown? Of course, as always, the Combat Countdown is sponsored by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to sisuguard.com to check out the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. They've got perforated holes in the front that while they still keep your teeth safe and your chompers healthy, uh, you can also make sure that you can talk to people and you can breathe while you're rolling, which is awesome for jiu-jitsu. It makes it so that you can talk to your teammates, you can talk to the people you're rolling with, you can talk to your coach, all without handling and getting germs all over that mouthguard. So once again, go to SISUGuard.com. SISUGuard.com and check out what they got for you. All right, we'll start with an honorable mention. This is the top five tough graduates. Uh, I'll kick it off, and it's Forrest Griffin, because let's face it, he's the godfather of the ultimate fighter. He is a former champion. Uh, Never defended the belt, no, but had a phenomenal career and really kicked off Dana White's era, uh, the Zufa era of the UFC. And he really did have a great career. Uh, so Forrest Griffin is our honorable mention. But we'll move to the top five, and we will start with a man near and dear to your heart, Gumby. Number five, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, Tony Ferguson appeared on uh, Tough 13, which was Team Lesnar versus Team Dos Santos. He wound up winning it all with a knockout victory over Ramsey Nijum. Look, since he's been on the Ultimate Fighter, you've seen the crazy win streak. You know, apart from one crazy loss early in his career, he's been an absolute animal. He's been an absolute machine. He looks like he's going to be the next person for Habib to fight. He had the interim championship. So when you're comparing him to some of the other people as far as their career goes, you know, the the Nate Diaz is, spoiler alert, he's not higher on this list. He's just got more credentials, and he's certainly got a way more impressive win streak and, you know, resume for that matter. He's 14 and 1 in the USC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 14 and 1, and he made number 5 on our list. Fight right before we had that surgery. But Tony is an absolute beast. We'll move then to number 4. Uh, also a former champion, it's Michael Bisping. Yeah, Michael Bisping was on uh, Team Ortiz versus Team Shamrock, which was uh, Ultimate Fighter 3. He wound up winning the finals over, get this, Josh Haynes, who you probably have never heard of. That season, not terribly impressive of the Ultimate Fighter, but you've got to respect the longevity of the Bisping career. Right now, I believe he's second all-time in wins, and that's only because Cowboy Cerrone took the the crown back from him recently. Um, You know, the late career, uh, you know, title run was certainly just like a really memorable moment and super important for British MMA, I feel like, to have their, like, long-time poster boy on top. And, and just if you think about all the names he beat and all the people he fought over time, it's just amazing what Michael Bisping's done. 
had that win over Dan Henderson, uh, beat Luke Rockhold, when really Rockhold, I, I think many people thought was at his peak and about to start a Rockhold era of the 205, um, excuse me, middleweight uh, title. Uh, and, you know, he also has that win over Anderson Silva, yep. too. So his resume is certainly Hall of Fame worthy. We'll move then to number three, our first female on the list. It's Rose Namajunas. Yeah, Rose Namajunas was on Team Pettis versus Team Melendez, which was tough. 20 um, featured the strawweight title fight, which she wound up losing in the finals to Carla Esparza. I mean, really, when you look at what she's done since that title fight, she's just looks so amazing. Going and beating uh, Tisha Torres, twice beating Joanna Janjacek, at her own game, you know what I mean. It's not like she she turned it into a grappling match and, and you know like out grappled Joanna uh, Janjacek. Instead, she took it Joanna Janjacek in her realm. She beat a kickboxer or a Muay Thai specialist in kickboxing, um, which is just so incredible. She's one of maybe the greatest women's strawweights of all time, as is seen by her two title defenses against who we would have said was the goat before. Uh, we'll move to number two, uh, and now I think we get into that area of our combat countdown where you really pull away from the list, and I think mm-hmm. our top two are uh, really head and shoulders above the rest, to be quite honest. Although really, you know, Tony Ferguson, if he goes out there and beats Habib, if I could go back to him for a second, Tony's going to get, you know, vaulted to the top of this list. Yeah, I agree 100%. Of, you know, November slash almost December of 2018, where they are now. But anyway, with the preamble aside, number two, he's a bu-bu-bu-beast. He's a friend of the sh-sh-sh-show. It's Robert Whitaker. Yeah, Robert Whitaker, current middleweight champion, was on Team Soderopoulos versus Team Ross Pearson, which was known as Tough Smashes. Uh, he wound up winning the whole thing with a victory over Brad Scott, who was kind of a fun uh, fun guy to watch fight. But yeah, not a ton of prospects on that show. He wound up being better than both the coaches, which is kind of amazing. Um you know, was really impressive at, at 170, was unbelievable at 185, and has been unbelievable at 185, beat Yoel Romero. I mean, like, you know, th- the way that he went out and just with f- complete heart dealt with all the injuries and all the big shots that Yoel Romero dealt him and then still beat the man, I mean, that fight alone would put him on this list. You know, it's actually an interesting question. Robert Whitaker clearly better than the two coaches on his season. Oh, not even close. You, <laughs> not even close. Uh, do you believe that Bisping is better than Ortiz or Shamrock? Or really, do you think Bisping is better than Ortiz? Who, who do you think had the better career between Bisping and Ortiz? That That's tough to say, because Ortiz has like the long title run, but when you think about Ortiz's title run, it comes at a time where the light heavyweight division was maybe not like the most impressive in the UFC, right? Like, he fought fighting Chuck and stuff like that, but his title run didn't involve like beating Chuck. Um, so I, I think I would still say probably Tito Ortiz because of the length of his title run um, and the names that he beat and things like that, but Michael Bisping is fucking right there, too. Yeah, he's right there. I, so I think it's very clear that Whitaker is the best ultimate uh, fighter champion who was way better than his coaches. Mm. And I think you could also make a case for our number one, which is TJ Dillashaw, who was on Team Bisping versus Team Miller. But it's TJ coming in at number one for us. Yeah, and Team Bisping versus Team Miller was tough 14, for those of you keeping track at home. He actually lost in the finals of the Ultimate Fighter, which a lot of people forget about, to John Dodson, who I think is probably ranked like 8th or ninth in the Bantamweight division right now. Not that John Dodson's not good, but it's kind of funny. Um, but TJ Dillashaw absolutely has had the best career in there. When you think about his war with Dominic Cruz, which is 
a loss he has on his record um, is just amazing, plus the fact that he knocked off Henan Barrow when people were talking about him being like a pound-for-pound great, and now he goes out and just absolutely mauls Cody Garbrand, which is so amazing to think about somebody beating Cody Garbrand that way after Garbrand looked so good against Cruz. I mean, like, Dillashaw has got, like, a real claim to possibly being the greatest, like, 135er and maybe like like WEC weight champs uh, of all time. Uh, meaning like 145, let's say. And yeah, below. 45 and, and below. Yeah, you know, underneath the 155ers. I mean, like you could make a case maybe Jose Aldo. I, I mean, you could make a case maybe Dominic Cruz. Um, I mean, obviously, like Mighty Mouse is in there, but like when you think about the names that TJ Dillashaw beat, they're more impressive than the te- names that the Mighty Mouse beat. Yeah, I mean, I also think the 135-pound division the past few years is more stacked than it was when Dominic Cruz necessarily came, you know, when the UFC bought out the WEC. Uh, I will also say, too, take away the John Dodson finale uh, loss, okay? And let's just pretend TJ Dillashaw is a new person after that, because he was. He is is 12-2 and with the two losses being minuscule, very close, pick-ems, uh, split decision losses to Dom Cruz and Rafa Sanso. Yeah, it's amazing. So, <laughs> and it's amazing. It, yep. it really is. So, again, we'll redo the list here. Uh, we had an honorable mention, the godfather of tough force, Griffin. Number five was Tony Ferguson. Number four, Michael Bisping. Number three, Rose Namajunas. Number two, Robert Whitaker. And number one, TJ Dillashaw. If you loved our list, if you hated our list, Give us some feedback at Top Turtle MMA. We took your feedback uh, into account when compiling the list, and we always thank our fans for the interaction. Gumby, we'll move now to our UFC Australia breakdown for this coming weekend. Uh, what uh, what company may or may not sponsor this UFC Adelaide breakdown? Absolutely. Our tough finale and UFC Adelaide breakdown is brought to you by BJJ T-Club. Everybody is into subscription services these days, and if you aren't, you should be. It's the way of the future. People are getting their toothpaste, razors, steaks, and much, much more that way. So why get your t-shirts any other way? BJJTclub.com is the only place where you can get t-shirts centered around the gentle art that you love. That's right, jujitsu t-shirts sent to your front door. And they're going to drop them in your mailbox each and every month. They're high quality, unique, and it's always a special day when one of them arrives. So head on over to BJJTclub, that's BJJTEEclub.com to get started. They also make great Christmas gifts, folks. So head on over there now and get signed up. So to start our breakdown, I'm going to start with the tough finale on Friday, and we're going to talk about the main event. I like Kamara Usman as a negative 270 favorite against RDA uh, as a plus 205 underdog. Look, I love Dos Anjos, but I just saw what happened when he fought Colby Covington. I see Usman giving a lot of the same problems forward moving power wrestling and and even you might say that Usman's striking is a little bit better than Colby Covington so I like Usman uh, by sort of suffocating RDA there Uh, I'm also if we move to the Saturday card for UFC Adelaide I'm taking JDS in the main event over Tai Tuivasa Tai Tuivasa is definitely like the young and up and comer Betnoff is a plus 120 underdog to JDS's negative 140 favorite. Um, I like JDS because I just think Tuivasa's got a lot of tools, but he just doesn't have the speed and the technical boxing that JDS has, and I think he's going to get outpointed and possibly roughed up a little bit by JDS. And then in the, the other fight I'm really interested in, I like Justin Willis over Mark Hunt. That's right, 
I'm going against Mark Hunt on this one because he's actually a, a slight underdog. Justin Willis betting off at negative 115 and Mark Hunt betting off at negative 105. I think Willis is a little bit quicker and I could also see him using some wrestling here to sort of neutralize Mark Hunt. Of course, Mark Hunt's always got the one hit quit kind of deal, but I'm going with Big Pretty here at negative 115. So once again, I got Kamara Usman over RDA, JDS over Tai Tuivasa, and Justin Big Pretty Willis over Mark Hunt. Uh, we want to thank you guys once again for tuning in. This is going to be the end of this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to give thanks to our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and BJJT Club. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. Plus, we want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter. we got tons of fun contests, trivia, and all kinds of other things going on over there. You are not going to want to miss out. That's at Top Turtle MMA. And... This is going to be the end of this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Thank you guys for listening so much, and we will see you next week.